Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, the podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExplorerX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story. And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globetrotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better and how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome into Wisdom and Wanderlust. Our guest today is Lena Papadopoulos. Lena is an award-winning intercultural educator, facilitator, speaker, life transformation coach, and an aspiring astrologist. Her approach is a really unique alchemy of her educational and professional backgrounds in sociology, psychology, cultural anthropology, international education, experiential learning, and leadership development. Using intercultural learning as a catalyst for self-discovery, Lena works with her clients to help them break free from cultural conditioning so they can reconnect with themselves embody their unique potential, and make a positive impact in the world. As a Greek-American, Lena brings a unique set of experiences and perspectives to her work, and she is deeply committed to cultivating a more inclusive, equitable, and just world from the inside out. We have a pretty deep dialogue today with Lena about the intersection of intercultural education and life coaching and how the two complement one another, Hofstede's cultural dimensions and whether people can change from introverted and individualistic tendencies to extroverted and collectivist tendencies over the course of a lifetime and places lived, and the differences between our life soul and right now purposes and how to find these for ourselves. This is a really fascinating conversation and it's so cool to see how Lena just lights up when she talks about some of this stuff. Yeah, Robin, her energy is absolutely infectious and it's obvious how much she knows, uh, how deeply she knows this work. So I'm ready to dive right in. You ready to go? Yeah, let's get started. What have you been doing? What's been keeping you busy in Oaxaca? Uh, I mean, not a lot. I just, I go to coffee shops, do some work here and there. I eat food, hang out at my apartment, sweat a lot. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Yeah, I just... What's the situation like with COVID? Is it... Does it feel normal or people? Mm, It feels pretty normal. I mean, they're like masks are required everywhere. They do Mm -hmm. like kind of distanced seating indoors and they like spray you with disinfectant for stuff when you come. Oh, wow. Really? But they like spray you with disinfectant? (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. But I mean, yeah, for the most part, it, it, it feels kind of normal, especially if you go to certain parts where there are big markets, you know, there's just tons of people everywhere and vendors and, but we're under like code orange. So like things close at 10 and yeah, the masks are required and limited capacity and stuff like that. But. And how, how long have you been down there at this point? Um, I came in the beginning of January. How long do you plan to stay out there? Um, well, I'll definitely be here until the end of June and, Right now, my plan is to try to make that happen until at least December. And then, I don't know, we'll see after that. What drew you to Oaxaca? Honestly, like nothing specific. I had just seen a lot of people that I'm connected to on Instagram, like had been here and had said really good things Mm -hmm. and it looked really nice. And I just, I've been wanting to spend time in Mexico um, and like, and then Central and America and then Mm -hmm. South America anyway. So initially when I first came here last year, the plan was like to be here as a starting point to slowly work my way down South. But I don't know now I'm just hanging out and I don't know if I'm still going to pursue that or not. I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the call to, to be a little more settled, but I don't really know what that's going to look like for me quite yet. Yeah, that's this is this the first time that you've ever experienced that? No, no, not the first time, but maybe the first time I haven't 
pushed it away so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, you've shared a bit of your story, which we we should get into at some point. But I, I just have this vision of Lena, you know, globe trotting, <laughs> intercultural, educational person, <laughs> and life and career and transition transformation coach, and just like exploring the world like you know the warrior princess or something (laughs) uh yeah i don't know spend a lot of time hopping around but (laughs) what's been your favorite place that you've lived so far (laughs) yeah and yes qualifiers they're all different and they're all unique and they're all special but if you could go back to one of the places that you've lived already where would you go back yeah honestly actually it's not as hard as i seem to make it out to be a question to answer i think it's thailand for sure Mm. that's a place I feel like I would always go back no hesitations Robin it's awesome (laughs) a lot of people (laughs) love it and I I lived there for a year but I also like I've gone back a few times and have spent like an accumulation of some more months too so but it's one of my favorite places ever What, what is it that is so special for you I think it just has to do with like how I feel there I just feel good when I'm there and I love the food and it's beautiful. There's so many beautiful places. I really love the people, the influence of Buddhism and just everything. I like a lot of stuff about it. It's just a nice little pocket of a place for me. Have you gone to a place and lived there where you're like, get me the hell out of here (laughs) and I don't want to be here anymore and just left? Kind of didn't just leave, but Beijing, (laughs) Beijing for me was a place like that. But Beijing, I didn't necessarily like choose to live there. I transferred or well, like I moved there for a job and then I I didn't like it. I had lived in Hangzhou, China before the transfer and I really liked Hangzhou a lot, but Beijing was not my, uh, not my scene. So then they offered (laughs) me the opportunity to transfer to Bangkok and that's when I went to live in Thailand. So I was like, yeah, I'll um, take it. Send me. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Went from like the worst place to the best place, yeah. in your opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. And what, what kind of work were you doing at that time? Yeah, so I was working for a nonprofit social enterprise, and we were running leadership development programs at international schools. So when I was first hired, when I was in Beijing during that time, I was working on creating a curriculum for an international school that was starting like a a year-long experiential ed program. And so I was designing that curriculum. And then when I transferred to Bangkok, I started managing all of our partnerships in Southeast Asia and Europe. And so I was like doing partnership management, but also still program management and designing and facilitating the leadership development programs. So Sounds like fun work. It was so fun. It was a lot. <laughs> we worked a lot, but it was really amazing. I loved it. Is that where you got your start as an intercultural educator? Mm-mm. No, like no. I, I started doing all that kind of that stuff. I started getting into it in university and college. Yeah, when I lived. That, that stuff being intercultural <laughs> education? Yes. <laughs> yes. <that laughs> um, yeah, so when I, was, when I was in college, I started, um, I got really involved with something we had called the Cultural Exchange Community, and it was designed to create relationships between international students and domestic students. But mm. I got super involved. I was running different, like, programs and events and helping the school organize um, different things, and I was... Yeah, just doing all all kinds of stuff and and bringing the different people from different cultures together. And that's kind of like where I started, how I started doing all that. Yeah, and then it's just taken lots of different shapes and forms since then. So, all right, so you are, and do you still identify as an intercultural educator or you've transitioned more to the coaching and, or do you do both? (laughs) I think... I think it's really hard for me not to identify with intercultural education. And even though I keep kind of shifting and the shift keeps in a sense going further and further away from it, I'm still like trying to bring it with me and keep it. But I think that's partly because for me, they're really the, the two things are really interconnected. And I know from the outside looking in, it may not really seem that way. But the, I think one of the biggest 
learnings or understandings or whatever I've had in doing my work in intercultural education is that all the change that we want to see in the world and in bringing people together and in bridging cultural divides and difference and whatever, like it all starts with the self and it all starts with becoming more aware of your own cultural conditioning and your programming and the different stories you've taken on and identities you've taken on. And so really creating true connection between people requires us to like break down all of that armor as individuals. And so for me, the work is super connected. And I, even though I'm moving into this space of doing more of this quote unquote coaching, which I feel weird about using that word because I really don't see myself as a coach, to be honest. But um, (laughs) so even though like as I am moving in that direction, it's still with the intention of bringing it back to kind of more of the intercultural stuff so that maybe people go through a journey with me of rediscovering and reconnecting with their truth, really understanding like, what are my gifts? What am I here to do in this world? What kind of difference do I want to make in the world? And then, hey, me and my network of all these people, we actually have like the experience and the knowledge and the tools to help people become competent to make that change. And so that's kind of where I foresee like this kind of track, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's a useful and helpful explanation because I I can see even for me like beforehand that you can vaguely connect the dots yeah. between coaching and intercultural education, but the way that you've just explained it is really succinct. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> define culture for us. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> there are many, many, many definitions of culture. You have two hours, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean at you know, essentially culture, well, first of all, it's any kind of like shared set of ideals, beliefs, values, customs, traditions. And so a culture can be a religious group. It can be a gender, a race, an ethnicity, a nationality. Your family is a culture. And with that then (laughs) are these sort of unavoidables, I think, with culture in that there is an element, right, of that conditioning and programming that happens because so much of what we do becomes unconscious and becomes unconsciously repeated and passed down from generation to generation. And so many of the times, the things we do, we don't really understand why we do them. And so so a big part of culture is kind of the unconscious things that we do without awareness and that's been playing out across the globe and certainly you know here in the states with a lot of the social justice issues over the past year plus well i say year plus but hundreds of years plus yeah (laughs) forever right but 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 more acutely over the past year plus and as a white male like i've had lots of conversations with people of all kinds of from all kinds of backgrounds about Mm -hmm how blind we can be because you know we all grow up in a particular culture and Mm -hmm. it's not the intention may not be there to be racist or prejudicial in any kind of way but it's just it's it's there yeah it really it is and the awareness of it Mm -hmm. is the first step right Mm -hmm. how does culture influence how we see the world (laughs) how does it not influence how we see the world? I I mean, I almost don't even know how to answer because like I said, how does it not? Uh, um, Right. Yeah. I think it's almost like wearing, you know, like a pair of glasses, like tinted and everything you see is colored by your cultures, which makes it so complex because right. There's not just one single culture. Like you Mm. yourself are part of, dozens of different cultures and they all inform you in different ways and that's why like literally no one in the world could ever experience the world in the way you do or perceive the world in the way you do um, because of all the intersections of your various identities um, which represent the quote-unquote cultures that you belong to so yeah I mean 
<laughs> I think it shapes everything. You know that that mm-hmm. saying about like the fish in the water, like you don't know you're yes. in the water, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. You've got a great quote from one of your ebooks that says, "Becoming aware of our cultural programming limits our tendency to project our own beliefs, values, and assumptions onto others." Mm-hmm. We project when we're unaware of what's driving our own behavior. Mm-hmm. So how do we become more aware of our culture, of our conditioning? Mm-hmm. What's the first step? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there, there are several ways, but I think one is to question, is to question why, why we do things and to really seek to understand for me, like context is so important in everything. Like I want to understand how something came to be. Um, what is it rooted in? What was it born out of? So, and to understand that you have to ask questions, right? And get curious and seek to understand the why. And then also engaging with difference because if you never experience something that counters the assumptions you're making and the bias that you're holding, like there's no reason to question it. So you have to engage with perspectives and ideas and values and worldviews that are unlike your own so that you have something to look at and say, well, wait a minute, like, why is that different? And why are they doing that that way versus the way that I'm doing it or the way that I'm thinking about it? And so I think, you know, like so many people use difference as this like, way to reinforce division or some kind of divide, but it's such an amazing learning opportunity, right? Like the most innovative things are created when like very different types of people come together because they bring different Mm -hmm. perspectives. When you travel and travel Mm -hmm. is obviously, I mean, this incredible opportunity to begin to connect with, understand, or at least observe and explore other cultures, Mm -hmm. right? When you travel, do you find yourself seeing the similarities or the differences when you go to different destinations? Mm -hmm. Do you you find yourself focusing on like how person A is different than you? Or do you you find yourself inherently looking at and for how they're similar or Mm -hmm. both? Honestly, I think it's a mix of both. And it always has been. But I do think that in the beginning, I was more struck by difference. And the more that I travel and the older that I get, it's almost like the less I even notice the difference. Sometimes I realize that I'll go somewhere new and I'm seeing things that I've never really seen before or like things being done in a way I've never seen them done. And it's almost like it just doesn't even phase me. You know what I mean? Like difference has become so normal to me Mm -hmm. that I don't even notice it anymore. And sometimes I notice that that about myself and I'm surprised, you know? So you've become more comfortable with otherness and yeah. what some people might call difference or strangeness, Yeah, right? and the unknown and uncertainty and all of those things that I think come with engaging with difference, which is why people are so afraid of it, right? Because we also have so much fear around the unknown and uncertainty. So the more that you become comfortable with it and realize that it's not actually a threat right, then the more you can gain from that opportunity, that experience. Before you go out and travel, do you do anything to like help prepare yourself or Anything to kind of get to know the destination mm-hmm. that you're going to before you go? Yeah, so I don't always, always do it. Sometimes it, it, I think it partially depends on how long I plan to be there too. But I generally do try to, well, I will for sure at least know like what are things that are inappropriate or disrespectful and that I should try to avoid. But then I also want to learn a little bit of some basic phrases. I want to, to be able to at least kind of connect with people in in very basic ways. And sometimes I do, like, I really like to learn about 
more about like the historical, like the context of a place, um, which includes a lot of things, but. <laughs> How do you balance preparation with, I've heard, we've heard, had some, <laughs> some folks talk about over-preparing to mm-hmm. the point where you create these expectations of mm-hmm. a place or a culture. Is that something you've ever <clears throat> come up against? Um, not for me personally, no, because in terms of quote unquote preparation, um, <laughs> that is the only type of preparing I do is just to be more right. knowledgeable. But in terms of like, I don't, I don't plan anything. I ha- most of the time, I don't even know where I'm going to stay when I go somewhere. So, so in that sense, no, I don't really like, I don't research like, what does everybody go do there? What are the best places to eat? What are the must see things? I don't know. Like, when I went to Sevilla, like, what is the, the big thing everybody goes to see in Sevilla? <laughs> that palace fortress thing? I don't know. I never I, even I, saw I, it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. And people ask me for travel advice and I'm like, uh, I'm the worst person because I, I don't know. I just walked into like a random hole in the wall and was like, I'm going to eat here. And I don't know what it was called. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's very different. In that way, I don't prepare at all, so I don't really have expectations, you know. I was um, I got a, a new book yesterday, shocking, Robin. I know by uh, Anthony Bourdain, something he started before his his passing, and um, but it inspired me to look up some quotes of his, and several of them I think are spot on to what you're saying. Right? One is that you know nothing unexpected or wonderful is likely to happen if you have an itinerary in Paris filled with the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so you know it's i guess it's always a balance right of having things to do right and mm-hmm. h- hitting some of the most important spots in a place but then also making sure that you have time for exploration and, mm-hmm. and wandering and discovery and connecting with people in sort of spontaneous mm-hmm. ways yeah where do you mm-hmm. think you got your like spontaneity <laughs> trait I've always been the type to like plan things out every detail and it's never been my nature to just go somewhere without Mm -hmm. a plan. This might not be the answer you're expecting, but you may know that I'm an astrology nerd, (laughs) that I love astrology. And I did not know that. Did not know that. (laughs) Not before you, we talked before this, this uh, recording. No. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm studying it. I'm obsessed with it. I know one day it will be a big part of my work, but we're not there yet. (laughs) So actually it's interesting because I am an Aries rising and that means that the way in which I sort of navigate the world and present myself to the world and am perceived by the world is somebody who just goes after what they want, takes risks, is like unafraid to do new things, to sort of like pioneer, to just like, but the thing is, it's not really brave in in an Aries energy. There's because there's no fear. It's just like, I don't know any other way to be. It's how I'm wired. Like, Mm. I just got to go and I just got to do it. And sometimes people can perceive it as like, damn, that person is selfish or they're very like, are you coming or not? Because I'm going with or without you. But that is like, (laughs) that's how it is. It's just like, I I just got to go and I got to do it. And no, there's nothing brave about it because I'm not afraid. Like, I don't know any other way to be. So I don't Mm. know. (laughs) Um, It's just in me. It's just always been in me. Are you doing (laughs) readings yet? Well, I was. Last year, I was putting together just like PDFs for people. I was compiling different information about their birth charts. I'm not doing like one-on-one, like quote-unquote live readings yet, but it's something that I will do. I know. And you know that I, I'm into like purpose and stuff. And well, you can see all kinds of things <laughs> about purpose in the birth chart. It's like, here is a blueprint to your soul. That's what the birth chart is. So yeah, how can I, really I get, love it. How can I get one of these birth charts? I want to learn. <laughs> um, well, if you give me your birth date, time and location, I can send you an image of your birth chart, but you're not going to, I don't know. You're going to have to do some uh, research and studying to know what it means. <laughs> okay. I, will, I will send you all of it. I'm, I, I am infinitely curious about, about this, this work. So yeah, I will send you that. So when, when you, let's go back to travel for a minute here. When you are traveling, what are some of the things that you do that maybe others don't because you're an Aries rising? 
that that allow you or that it, it helps you connect with people and culture in ways that others may not. I don't know if there are things I do that other people don't do. I don't. I mean, like, do you, for example, do you will you go up to a stranger while you're traveling and ask them simply for directions or ask them for their favorite restaurant? Oh or will yeah, you for sure. Just, start talking to you know randos on the street and <laughs> end up going out to lunch with them like i mean do you is this the kind of stuff that you do or sort of um definitely more inclined to fall into those situations when i'm traveling versus when i'm not i'm definitely more like sort of withdrawn and into myself when i'm not traveling but it's also not necessarily that i'm like approaching people or that i'm it's more that like other people approach me. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I think I just kind of, I'm told a lot that I make people feel, feel really comfortable and they just kind of like come <laughs> and then they start <laughs> talking to me and then it's great. And then I make these connections, but it's, yeah, it's kind of not like, I'm not like approaching people in the street necessarily, but I'm still always somehow connecting with people and having random conversations. And are you, are you an introvert or extrovert? You know, (laughs) I'm not (laughs) so sure. I ask myself a lot. I think, I think for the most part, I think for the most part, I'm introverted. <laughs> well, I, you I think you don't, you don't have to be one or the other. It's true. It's true. You can it's like a sliding scale. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, like Myers-Briggs, when I was in college, I was an ENFJ. Then I was an mm. INFJ. Now I'm an INFP. I've changed like three times. Oh. But I can see, like, I know when I was in college, I totally can imagine myself answering those questions and being like, of course, I draw my energy from other people because I was just, like, loving all that cultural exchange, and I was so fulfilled with that. And then I kind of, like, later in life, I just reached a stage where I was more, like, you know, like, kind of doing my own thing and looking after myself and spending time on my own and then then I started to crave that and that was what fulfilled me. Like I need to be alone and escape the humans for a while. (laughs) So, so I don't know, I'm kind of both. And it's, it's really like, almost like I get accustomed to one way and then it's a little bit like of a challenge to switch. So like, for example, I had taken a group of students to Germany for a few weeks on a cultural exchange program. And at that time I was pretty like, introverted like staying to myself and I wanted a lot of alone time and I knew I was like oh my god <laughs> with this group I'm gonna be with them 24 7 you know like I won't have any uh-huh. time alone and I was really like trying to prepare myself for that and the first day or two was definitely an adjustment and then it was like I didn't want to be without them, (laughs) you know, (laughs) then it was just like when they weren't there, I was like, Oh, I miss them. (laughs) Like I need them to come back. We have had several conversations about this. You've led a workshop for us. We had a webinar last summer, right? Et cetera. How adaptable are people when it comes to certain elements of culture, right? Do we have a set point, like a cultural set point for certain things, or does that shift based on situation and circumstances? So I'm thinking about like um, Hofstede's cultural dimensions, right? Mm-hmm. And collectivism versus individualism, mm-hmm. right? Do you believe that when we are in one culture, so we're here in the States, and then we go to, mm-hmm. which is highly inv- individualistic, right? And we go to another that is more collectivist, right? Mm-hmm. Do our behaviors sort of morph a bit more towards that collectivist? Or is it just sort of, this is our culture, we're from this particular area we are individualistic or not and it just that's what it is (laughs) well no does that make any sense yeah of course but just as you became sort of programmed and conditioned to uh see and experience life in a particular way you can (laughs) mm, (laughs) be retrained (laughs) to see it in another i mean it's very possible right to unlearn and relearn and um but it takes it takes some effort. I mean, in some ways it's going, I think you make natural adjustments, uh, just because of survival, right? You, you naturally adjust to certain things because it just makes life easier. But then in terms of being more sort of immersed, I think that's more of an intentional 
thing that requires some effort. And ultimately, I think it all depends on how open-minded you're willing to be. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, and I do think the transition from one direction, like one transition is easier than the other. So for example, to transition from an individualistic culture to a collectivistic culture is much easier than the other way around. Because just imagine if you, you're coming from an individualistic culture and you come into a collectivist culture, I mean, there are going to be a lot of, a lot of things that are going to be challenging for you in terms of how people perceive time and how those kinds of things. Right. But in general, right. You become part of a community, you're supported, you experience connection, which is key to (laughs) being human. human And I think when you go the opposite direction, when you come from a collectivist culture and you find yourself in an individualistic culture, that's a really hard adjustment that isolation and the loneliness a lot of people experience and sort of coming, you know, face to face with like values that, that don't necessarily value humans and humanity and connection. I think that's, that's a much harder adjustment in my opinion. Have you experienced that going from one place to another? Um, I think in a sense, yes, because I, you know, I grew up in the U.S. in a very individualistic cult- country and culture, but I also, like, my family's from Greece, and I went there every summer, and that's super collectivistic, so I was always experiencing that, too, and I think, I mean, I think kind of growing up in both environments made it not such, like, a shock to me. It almost, like, normalized both experiences, but especially working with international students in the the U.S. and then also working in education systems in other countries, I can see how other people experience that shift and how difficult it is for them. And yeah, there, I mean, it's, it's layered too, because also because, which I think is another, is a challenge though, of being part of a collectivistic culture. There's in most of those cultures, there's very much like a dismissal or kind of a denial of of the importance of mental health because you're constantly with other people and in a community. And the idea is like, you're cared for by your community. Like you don't necessarily, like, what do you need? I don't know. But so when people from those countries, those cultures, they come to the U S for example, and they are isolated, they are alone and they're definitely struggling with their mental health. Then they're also against like their own internalized cultural taboo of like, I can't talk about this and there's nowhere to turn. And, you know, we would host like with the the counseling center in the university, we would host workshops for the international students to, to try to talk about these things. And, and that was, that was really hard for people that it's not something that they're used to. And it's not, it's not, it's pretty taboo to talk about. So <laughs> it's layered. Yeah. yeah. It's layered. Yeah. So I, I mentioned, and we're talking here about one of the cultural dimensions of, from from Hofstede. Can you, for those that may not know what that is, and we don't, I don't want to dive into this too deeply. We can put some links in the show notes, but just explain what that is and what some of those dimensions might be. Um, yeah, well, there, Hofstede, and also Edward Hall, and I don't know, maybe some others have contributed to these sort of like frameworks or dimensions quote-unquote of culture so bright individualism and collectivism is one the way we perceive time monochronic versus polychronic is another we have low context versus high context cultures and these are all kind of like here's one extreme versus another extreme and then every culture will fall somewhere on a continuum within that range I guess but in terms of just I don't know, but it's it's just a framework that is an attempt to understand cultural difference, right? But again, like like I said on my my webinar thing a while back, we have to understand that even these frameworks, right? They were created by white men. They're inherently biased. They're inherently they're coming from a particular perspective, so they're not infallible by any means. Are you are you still helping and working with folks who want to better understand their own cultural 
doing, mm-hmm. you were helping people with a cultural sort of assessment, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Are you still doing that work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not super frequently, but that's just because I'm not like really putting it out there. But uh, if you, anybody wants to come this way for that, yes, I'm still <laughs> doing it. <laughs> well, what, tell, tell, tell us where is this way? How, if somebody wanted to learn more about that and wanted to work with you on having a cultural assessment and better understanding mm-hmm. their, their <laughs> cultural lenses, how would they do that? Well, I guess they should get the link from your website, <laughs> from my page on your website, the intercultural intensive. It's a 90 minute session. You do an <laughs> assessment beforehand and it just kind of assesses how effectively you engage with difference um, in a, on a number of different sort of criteria but I tend to really use those results in unusual ways, I guess. So I think I approach it differently than, than most people in intercultural education would because, I, again, I'm all about getting to the why and understanding the deeper root of stuff. So when we're unpacking what your results mean, like, you know, I've worked with people where we come up, where we discover that the way she engages For example, this is an example of somebody I had, but the way she engages cross-culturally and in international settings and what sort of happens and what she experiences, like it's tied to sexual trauma, but like she would never have thought, right, that that experience I had is coming out and how I'm engaging with people from other countries. But it is, Mm -hmm. it is very connected. In her case, it was, and I've had other, like it always comes down to other stuff, like that people don't expect things that have shaped who they are in in so many ways that they're unconscious of. And so that's really what we, we do with the results is we look at like, what's the unconscious stuff that's going on that created this result that produced this result Mm -hmm. in your assessment and explore that. And then I, you know, I try to give people like different sort of tools and techniques and things they can do to work on those things. And we create a personal development plan together. So there's elements of that that are focused on them as individuals, as people, like what are things I need to do for myself in terms of healing, but then also what does that look like when I'm engaging with difference and how do I approach that now that I have this understanding about myself? Just for those that are listening, that that page that link can be found at explore-x.com slash coaching and then look for uh lena's bio and then the link will be in her bio so check that out well i want to go back to something that you said very early on and that you are you're shifting the focus of your energy and time more away from the intercultural education into other mm-hmm. realms. Tell us about what those realms are. Yeah. So just like I had sort of alluded to before, it's more of that, that individual work with people. So it's kind of, yeah, just about helping people reconnect with who they really are um, outside of who they've been taught to be. And so that, that coaching, quote unquote coaching, and like I mentioned, I don't really identify with that because I, in so many ways, I don't feel like that's what I'm doing. I, f- I feel like I'm more so guiding people back to themselves. I'm just asking mm-hmm. the right questions to help people remember what they already know, if that makes sense. And, and yeah, and I definitely, I have this focus uh, now too on helping people become more clear on their purpose. And that means different things to different people. But for me, it's kind of like, what is your reason for being here? And how are you going to use the unique like gifts and talents and skills that you have to contribute to the world in some way? And so like I have these sessions that people can do to get clarity on that because a lot of time people feel so lost. Like, what is it? What is it I'm supposed to do? I don't know. I have no idea. What am I good at? I don't know. But I have like this set of things that I go through with them (laughs) in this section. And at the end, it's like, oh, (laughs) they see it because they make create connections that they'd never created before about their own like life experiences And so, yeah, it's so funny too, because a lot of times 
I'll do it with somebody. And then like we go through the session and at the end I, I say, well, you want me to tell you what I think based based on how all these things connect, what I think. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I tell them, and it's so funny. I would, I mean, so many times the people are just like, that's something I've had in my mind forever and I've never told anybody. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can see it. I can see it in the way that your life has been woven together. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is your reason for being like, do the thing, just do it. So do you, I have so many questions for you. This is an area that I love. I, I mean, we, could, we could spend two hours just talking about this, but do you believe that everyone has a, a life purpose? Let's just start there. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Do you believe that we can have a right now purpose as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you <laughs> reconcile those? Mm-hmm. So I think that our, our core life purpose, our true, truest purpose is to return to the truth of who we are. It is to be in the fullness of who we are. And again, when we remove the conditioning and the layers and all the fears and doubts and insecurities and stories we tell ourselves and all this stuff, it's like our core purpose forever and always will be to embody the truth of who we are. And that's why I love astrology, because when you look at the birth chart, you see the truth of who someone is. And you see, I mean, you can see conditioning in the birth chart. There are things to look at to see how is this person influenced by their father, by their mother, by their, like, you can see all of that. And so that's why I love it so much as a tool. But yeah, for me, that's like our, our life purpose. And and our soul purpose is different, which you can also see in the chart. That's different oh. than life purpose. And then, but our right well, now explain, purpose. Explain that. <laughs> explain, no, no, no. I'm not letting you go. Explain that. What's the difference between life and soul purpose? Mm, because you can also look in the chart to see what your soul came to learn in this lifetime, what it chose to focus on and what it's bringing from past lifetimes, the past karma of like, these are the things I need to let go. And these are the things I need to leave behind. And this is what I'm evolving into. And that's the soul's purpose. But as it plays out in your lived life, it's to be the truth of who you are, right? Like to embody the chart your blueprint, your natural wiring. So that's your life purpose. And then your for now purpose is what does that look like for you in this moment based on where you are at this point in your life, right? So for me, it's like I've I've done so many different kinds of of work, but at the core, even though it's it's looked really different and I might say like my purpose at this point in time is to do this, but really it's to do this in this way underneath I've always been trying to create space for people to show up as their full selves no matter what I'm doing or what it looks like that's at the core of what I'm doing right that's why I got involved in cultural exchange community because I wanted to create a space where people from different parts of the world who might seem weird in small town South Carolina have a space where they feel like it's okay to be who I am in this space so it's like I've always, no matter what it looks like, for me, that's like my part of my purpose, I think, mm-hmm. is to create that for other people. And I think a lot of times what we are called to d- bring to the world and to share with others is rooted in our own sort of pain and in our own, like the things that we weren't given and the spaces we weren't provided. So like, why do I, why does that matter to me? Because I was always the weird Greek girl, you know, I was always sort of like, I don't belong here. Like I don't in this place, like I don't make sense here. This place doesn't make sense to me. And, and also stuff with my family and things that I experienced at school, like all these things made me feel othered, made me feel not wanted somehow or like too much in some way or not enough in some way. Right. So of course, like, yeah, I want other people to not feel that. (laughs) Would you say that we all, in in essence, we (laughs) all have the same purpose. Yeah. Which is to live the highest and best version of ourselves or become the highest best. To be true to ourselves. I think. Be true to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what gets in the way? <laughs> I mean, again, how much time do you have? Right? Like, what are some right. of the things? That- <laughs> Literally, like as soon as you said that, I thought the same thing about culture. It's like what doesn't get in the way? <laughs> right, right. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I mean, what gets in the way? It's it's stuff that we learn from our our family. It's the crap that we take on from the people who raise us. It's the things we learn from media. If we're, we grow up in religion, it's messages that we internalize from that. It's things that kids say to us at school or like something a teacher says, it just like shatters your world and makes you think like, right, I can't do the thing that I thought I really wanted to do. Or it's just, it's basically, it's other people projecting their crap onto you. That's what gets in the way. And that's why it's so important to if we all, if we all truly looked at ourselves and worked on that stuff, and then we wouldn't do that to other people, right? We would. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like all the pain we experience, all the fear we internalize, all the insecurities and doubts that we take on, it's, it's all the result of the things that other people put on us their own projections and we mm-hmm. and we do that to other people right mm-hmm. you think pain or suffering is sort of just being misaligned with that purpose or any unwanted i don't want to use the word negative but unwanted mm-hmm. emotion that we experience is coming out of some degree of yeah just misalignment being out of alignment with our our values our our purpose a lot of times yes but i don't think it's all that i mean I think it's complex and, uh, you know, depending on, on who you are and where you're from or what you look like, or, I mean, some of that stuff is, well, there again, it's all a projection, right? So even things like oppression and racism and white supremacy, I mean, all of that is a projection of people's crap. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's the result of people being disconnected from, the love that they are, because I believe that we are love and all of these things that we experience and that disconnect us from that and from that truth. Yeah. Then we create, we cause harm to others because Mm -hmm. we don't even know how to not cause harm to ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it makes sense. I just, I, I know for my, for myself and and maybe for others, certainly people that I've spoken to, I know that a lot mm -hmm. of, when I have these unwanted emotions, whether it's anger, confusion, frustration, <laughs> stuckness, whatever, fill in the blank, right? In hindsight, when I look back at that, it's because I've, I've, I would in, in hindsight, in retrospect, say, yep, I was out of alignment, right? I was mm-hmm. doing something that it wasn't true to yeah. who I am and, and whether it's my values or my purpose or something else. Yeah. So if someone wanted to explore this their soul purpose, their life purpose, or their right now purpose with you. <laughs> Would they also find you on our website or is there another place that they can go as well to connect with you? <laughs> um, well, yeah, they can, I guess, get to that through your website. So I think, so what I have given for you all, I don't know what's currently there, but what I've shared is the link specifically to the intercultural intensive. But okay. then you know, you can just navigate to the main part of my site and that's where all that, the purpose <laughs> stuff is. Sure. But if someone wanted to go to directly, just, just to, yeah. if someone wanted to go to your website, mm-hmm. just to check that out, they would go to. <laughs> Elenapapadopoulos.com. Perfect. <laughs> right. Excellent. They got to spell Excellent. it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned how to, it's, I've, le- I've learned after many, many mistakes mm-hmm. how to spell your name. Yes, I'm an expert now. Yeah, Lena, before we let you go, we have a few final questions. For right, you. right. That's not good at these, okay? <laughs> and you're, fa- <laughs> you're familiar with this from our <laughs> webinar series. <laughs> what is your all time favorite book? Uh, and why? I hate favorites. <laughs> okay, so a great one that I think everyone should read is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And that is because. It so simply lays out a lot of what we've been talking about and, yeah, and trying to develop habits that... Okay, I'm sorry. I know this is rapid fire. Next one. Next one. No, no, no. Wait, wait. What's the first agreement? What's the first agreement? 
<laughs> oh God, I don't remember them in order. Is it don't make assumptions? Uh, be impeccable with your word. Oh yeah, be impeccable with your word. <laughs> yeah, great book. I second yeah, that. Yeah, it's super um, good. What's one thing you always bring with you when you travel? My little hanging shower caddy. I've shared that before. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like my lifesaver. <laughs> if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Besides oh, Oaxaca. Yeah, yes. I think I would. I would go visit my family in Greece. My grandparents. Yeah. What's one thing that you've gained or learned during the pandemic? I learned that on my my familiar or my comfort with uncertainty and the unknown is a trauma response. <laughs> I learned that. And I think I have high functioning anxiety, but <laughs> I've learned those things. <laughs> no, I've learned so much. I've learned really a lot, but <laughs> those were the first things that came to my mind. <laughs> what <laughs> Lena, what do you love most about what you do? Yeah, I think I just love, like I said, creating space where people feel like I'm safe here. Like, that's what I love. Summarize your travel or life philosophy in one word or phrase. <laughs> yeah, curiosity. Let's go with that. If you could go back and give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would that be? <clears throat> The people who matter will be there and the ones who leave don't deserve to be there anyway. <laughs> uh, Lena, it is always fun chatting with you. We appreciate the, the wisdom that you shared, the sense of wonderlust that you have inspired in us. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Lena. <laughs> thanks. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media at GoExploreX. Subscribe to the Wisdom of Wanderlust podcast. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at uh, hello at explorer-x.com. And until next time, stay curious. <laughs> <laughs>